this was a super cool episode. This guy's name is Dave. He has a podcast called On the Pen. And by pen, he means he's on the Manjaro pen, the Manjaro and then Ozempic. We talk about his weight loss journey and the struggles he's had. He was 316 or 320 pounds. He got on Manjaro, got down to 276, started gaining weight back, wanted to be switched over to Ozempic. They switched him. He's starting to gain back weight still. He's on the lowest dose. He's trying really hard. He doesn't kind of know what to do. Mainly, he wanted to interview me as an obesity physician to help him. I gave him a bunch of advice. His obesity doctor doesn't sound like he really knows what he's doing. And we talked various medications, whether it's the pill medications, whether it's the pen medications, let's just call them pens now, uh, the injectables. We talked about a lot of different strategies and options. I gave him my advice on what I think he should do to reignite weight loss and then we got into a lot of uh, cardiovascular disease. What are risk factors, how to reduce them, how to improve your cardiovascular health, all that kind of stuff. You know, the stuff I usually love talking about. And it was a fun interview. I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's obviously quite long, um, but I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And here we go. I'll stop blathering. Like I always say, if you guys want to join my community, we talk about this stuff all day and all night. I'll give you the cheat code. Type in one month, one, the number one, then M-O-N-T-H, all caps, you get the first month free. You can join us, see if you like it, and you can decide from there. If you want to stay with us, we do Zooms every Monday night, and we talk all day and all night on the app. You can text your cardiologist all day and all night on the app, and it'll be a lot of fun. Anyways, without further ado, I'm not going to keep yapping here. This is Dave's interview of me on a podcast called On The Pen. Here we go. We have got an awesome interview for you all tonight. I'm so excited. We've been trying to work this out with schedules for a little while now, and I was hoping that we would be able to pull this thing together uh, for Heart Awareness Month here in February. You all know the story uh, about my own father, my own journey to be healthy and uh, keep my heart ticking for a lot longer than uh, my dad's did for my own four kids. So uh, I came across Dr. Allo's content via uh, Texas Heart Doc, who we had on a couple weeks ago, and just was very impressed with uh, his ability to uh, just take time out of his day, mainly as a busy cardiologist, to answer thousands and thousands of questions that people have on TikTok, on YouTube, wherever uh, you find him. You can find him on all the socials, and we'll be sure to link his socials in the description of this video. But he was kind enough to come give us some of his time tonight. Uh, and do an interview here for On The Pen. So I'm going to welcome in Dr. Muhammad Allo. Dr. Allo, welcome to On The Pen. All right. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I appreciate it. Ah, my pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. And, and I know that our community over here is going to be super excited uh, to to hear from you, to hear from me enough. Uh, just I call myself a pretendo chronologist. I don't I'm just a dude on, on the internet who got diabetes, uh, was looking at bariatric surgery, and then discovered GLP-1s to treat uh, obesity and diabetes. And I fell in love with the science behind it and just started making videos, and here we are. So I, I always get geeked out to talk to experts, and so that's what we're uh, excited to talk to you about tonight. All right. It, that's a very common uh, story. I get a lot of patients. As a cardiologist, we got to clear a lot of patients for surgery. So they come to us saying, ah, I'm having a hip replacement, I'm having a whatever, you know, then I need you to clear me. 
a lot of times we get these patients that are, well, I'll tell you a story. Let's just call him Alan, right? So Alan comes to me, he's 476 pounds and he's like, I need clearance for gastric bypass surgery. So I'm like, oh, cool. You know, come on over, you know, whatever. I, I meet him, we're talking. I'm like, all right. So, you know, when is your surgery? He's like 30 years old, maybe. Like, when is your surgery? Because I need to know, like, can we get an echo in time? Do we need a stress test? Can we just clear him? Do we need an EKG? Like, what do, what do we need? Some blood tests, maybe just to clear him. He's like, oh, it's not going to be for a few years, doc. I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? What do you mean a few years? Like, usually they tell you it's next week or, you know, in a month or I got it set up for January, whatever. He's like, yeah, it's not going to be for a few months. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean a few months? He's like, well, you know, I got to weigh under 400 pounds. So I'm working with a nutritionist and a dietitian, whatever. I was like, oh, I was like, don't worry, dude, I got you. I was like, you're not going to need any of that. We can now like force people to lose weight effortlessly. I mean, it, it used to be so much harder, but now it's like, hey, man, I got you. So this was probably back in May or early June. Within four or five months, we had him on a combination of like three medications. And my man was down like almost 200 pounds. He was like 316 maybe or I don't know, 170 pounds, something like that. Um, he keeps losing weight. So I don't know exactly at what point, but he comes back and he's like, you know, I, I was like, all right, well, you know, you look like you're doing real well. You've lost 170 pounds or whatever it is. And okay, we can clear you for a gastric bypass. And then he looks at me. And he's like, no, he's like, can I just keep doing this? I'm like, well, sure. Absolutely. That's even better. You know, it's better than rearranging your anatomy, um, getting short bowel syndrome and can't absorb whatever, you know, they get all these weird, you know, side effects and symptoms. So he just stuck with it. And I, I have, I've been just following with him and he's just one story. My, my record breaker, I had a guy recently in two months lost 80 pounds and just like literally in, in, in two months dropped 80 pounds. He used to come in on a wheelchair all the time, could barely move. Now he's like up and walking. He's like super excited. He's super happy. I mean, he's still 400 some odd pounds. I mean, no one's going to lose 80 pounds if they only weigh like 220 um, but he's up and walking around super excited. The one thing that people always criticize these medications for is they say, well, don't you lose muscle mass if you lose weight too quickly or whatever? I don't want to be flabby. Well, first of all, you're going to be a lot stronger because now you can actually move your body around. Um, and then the, there's, there's not like a definitive data that shows it actually lose lean body mass or lose muscle. They lose glycogen. They lose water stores. They lose like organ tissue mass even. Um, but all of the studies that have been done on weight loss, whether they've lost weight with exercise, calorie restriction, however they do it, if you lose that much weight that quickly, you're going to lose some fat-free mass or some lean body mass. So I think those, that data and those scare tactics are people trying to scare you from using GLP-1s or any of these weight loss medications, just, you know, over, overblown. I mean, you got people who are 480 pounds that are now 420 and are like, this is the greatest I've ever felt, Doc. You know, I, I can get up, I can walk around, I can mow my lawn, I can walk to the mailbox. So there's lots of amazing stuff like that. And I said, I, I think you said you had Texas Heart Doc on here too. He's lost an amazing amount of weight. He's like 147 pounds, I think now is what he told me. I'm sure he's probably a little bit less now. But he says he had his highest, I believe it was like 220 and uh, got down into the 145 range. And he's just doing fantastic. He looks like a totally different person. He's energetic. He's excited about life. And I noticed that with a lot of my patients, I had a lady who was 320, maybe 330 pounds as well. I met her in the hospital. I mean, I'll just tell you this story. It's a, it's a tearjerker. We met in the hospital because she had atrial fibrillation, you know, morbidly obese, atrial fibrillation, sleep apnea, everything. Sleep apnea is the number one cause of atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is this heart rhythm where the top two chambers of your heart here, I'll show you on the heart. These are always kind of cool. 
you know, your heart has four chambers. You got the, the two bottom ones and then the two uh, top ones that you really can't see from here, but you can see them on the back. The top two chambers, instead of contracting, they just kind of quiver. We call that atrial fibrillation. They fibrillate. You get that a lot from sleep apnea. It's almost the number one cause now is sleep apnea. That's what I saw her for in the hospital. You know, I got her out of AFib. Obviously, that was the, re the reason they called me. She comes in to see me in clinic. We're talking, you know, all right, the AFib's looking good. We've got, you're still in rhythm. You're doing well. And then I was like, all right, so what are you doing about weight loss? And then she just looks at me, gives me this blank stare and like tears start coming down her eyes and she starts bawling. And I'm like, oh God, what did I do now? I'm like, all right, well, you know, we don't have to talk about it this time. Like, I, this is what I do. I'm not going to not talk about it. Right. I mean, she looks at me, she goes, no, 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 it's totally fine. I'm, you're the only doctor that's ever talked to me about weight loss. She's like, look at me. I'm almost 350 pounds. Not a single doctor I've ever been to has told me I need to lose weight or that I'll help you lose weight or that I'm going to help you lose weight together or whatever. So she started bawling. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's better than I was hoping for. Um, this is good. So I'm like, all right, well, listen, we can absolutely make you lose weight. That's not hard. She's like, what do you mean it's not hard? She's like, I've been trying my whole life. I was like, oh, don't worry. We got some magic now. Um, but anyways, we started out on some pills. I think it was fentramine to begin with or maybe diethylpropion. I'm not sure. She lost like 30 pounds right off the bat. And Ohio was super strict about uh, those medications. You could only be on them for three months and then off for six and then back on. So it was kind of tricky kind of navigating that initially. But February of 2023, they changed the rules. Now you can be on them forever as long as you keep demonstrating weight loss. So she's lost like 30 pounds, 35, and then she stalled out a little bit. So that's when we added on other things, you know, obviously some GLP ones. And I think I added metformin, maybe Topamax, one of those. I'm not sure. Um, weight just started flying off. She got down to 216 the last time I saw her, maybe 213. Wow. And she comes in wearing like a suit coat, nice jeans, you know, nice shoes, super like happy and bubbly. She's like, you gave me my life back. She has like all this confidence now. So these medications have been life changing. I mean, people have become and transformed into absolutely completely different uh, people. And I come from a background, a lot of newer doctors who just graduated, all they know is GLP-1s, right? Oh, let's put everybody on Ozempic and put everybody on Manjaro and that's the end of it. Like that works for some people, but it's not going to work for everyone. And if you don't know how to deal with the harder cases, the other thing is I'm a certified personal trainer. So I come from a world of also coaching people down to weight loss, like just count your calories and make sure you get enough of this and that. And the other thing, and let me see your tracking. Okay. Cut out this food, cut out that, drop your calories by 78, like literally sometimes 78, get rid of the three grams of green grapes that you're eating. Like, you know, it could be anything, but like when you need to diet down to a 5% body fat, 7% body fat, whatever for a show, you got to be real strict and crazy. You got to take a scale with you to work. And I was one of those people. I got down to 7.4% body fat, just wow. taking a scale with me everywhere, literally weighing everything. It is a type of eating disorder. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not, but when you're trying to get that lean, you have to do that. So anyway, she got down to as low as she's ever been and happier than ever. Um, but also like what I was saying is that a lot of people come from this new world, like, you know, a lot of recent graduates or physicians that haven't been around that long. All they do is just they open up these pop-up telemedicine Ozempic clinics and think you just put everyone on Ozempic or Manjaro and that's the end of the world. It's the end of it. Here you go. Here's your injection. See you later. And they think just everyone magically is going to lose weight. Some people will, probably a vast majority will. But what do you do with that 30% of people? You put them on any of this and their weight barely budges. Then what? 
Now, what, what tools do you have in your pocket? What have you done in the past? How can you improve that? That has been kind of the problem with these weight loss clinics. Like the hospitals will sometimes start a weight loss clinic and they'll hire like an ER doctor or a gynecologist or, you know, a, a handful of, you know, doctors, nurse practitioners. PAs. What's that? A prescriber. A prescriber. Exactly. They will find someone who can write the script. And they think that if you just hand someone an Ozempic script, that's the end of it. The data has shown time and time again that if you just put people on Ozempic and walk away or just keep refilling it, they're going to lose that initial 10 to 14 pounds and then they're going to be back. Just like it's interesting. It's, it's interesting not to cut you off, but it's interesting because you're describing me. Um, I know that this is our first introduction with each other, but I started Manjaro in November of 2022. So I've been on it like, I don't know, 15, 16 months. Um, within the first three or four months, I lost about 30 pounds. There's about 10, a little under 10, maybe 8% of my total body weight at the time. And, uh, and then it just stopped. I was at the 15 milligram dose of Manjaro. And it, just, it just stopped. Um, I never got the, I mean, I've got, you know, six, 6,500 followers over here on YouTube and another 22,000 on TikTok. So I interact with, it is all people on GLP-1s. And I interact with all types but, you know, you hear from people who are like, yeah, I, I take a GLP-1 and I'm never hungry. I never, you know, I, I, I can't even look at food. That's never been my story on these medications. So now I'm in, at that point, all right, what else do we have to look at? Um, and so, yeah. So how many, what's your body weight currently? So currently 298. And what is your height? 5'10", five, 5'11". Uh, five, five, and so what did you weigh originally? Before this, when I first was diagnosed, uh, when I well, when I first started GLP ones, it was three twelve, and my highest. You really weight, haven't lost much weight at all. Ten twelve. No, I, I got down to two seventy six, and then it started creeping back up. Okay, and what do you think uh, caused that? Um, I I hit a plateau uh, at at the weight loss that it was giving me. I was on the fifteen milligram. I really have changed this whole time. So. This obesity discussions, Dr. Al, I feel like can be a bit nuanced because obesity is not just a disease of the body. It's a disease that affects the mind and the spirit and everything, right? Um, And so I have been on a 20-year cycle of yo-yo dieting and mostly with the ketogenic diet. So I was diagnosed diabetic in in November of 2021, so going back two years and change. Um, And my doctor is a keto zealot. And so he was like, you got to go keto. And I said, well, I've been yo-yoing on ketogenic diets for 20 years. I think it's part of what landed me in this metabolic mess is this doing this every year. Gain, gain 45, lose 30, gain 45, lose 30. And that's what I did for almost 20 years. Um, but I obliged just trying to be a good patient. And uh, in a year of keto, I went from 319 to 312. I told him I don't lose weight on keto anymore. And he's like, well, you would be one out of. 500 people or two or three out of 500 people. And so um, that was kind of my story. And so like generally I, I try to eat lower carb, but definitely eat on even a bad day, probably under a hundred grams of carbohydrates uh, just to keep my blood sugars in check. Did you ever track calories? I have not. And so what I was getting at was when I started Manjaro, I was just sick of the, the dieting, the, doing anything that felt extreme because I know about myself and my disease is that the pendulum swings really hard back the other direction. So 
I really have done nothing different in this whole time. I've done absolutely nothing different. I haven't increased my calories or increased my movement. Matter of fact, the only time that I've intentionally increased my movement and really watched closely, well, I just, there have been times where I watched my calories a little bit closer, but intentionally increased my movement and intentionally watched my calories at the same time was when I started putting it back on. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think I've got to get to the point where I'm, I'm strict and really, really reducing my calories low. Otherwise I don't think I'll see the scale move, but yeah, you're, you're part of that. So there's a few reasons why that happens. Sometimes even without medications, if you are eating 3000 calories a day to maintain a body weight of 300, usually that's what it is. If, well, it's probably a little more. It's like 3,600 calories a day to stay at 300, right? That's about where every, that's about what everyone's metabolism generally is. You cut your calories by 600. Now you're, let's say, eating 3,000 calories a day. For a 300-pound person, that should cause weight loss. Usually I tell patients and, and I tell people when I was coaching them, if you just add a zero to your weight, let's say you're 180, 1,800 calories, you should lose weight. Women might be just a little less, but just start at that. Just add a 10, multiply your weight by 10. Eat that many calories a day, you will absolutely lose weight, the vast majority of people. Now, what happens is when people start losing weight, you got to 276, that caloric intake that you are now eating, let's say it's at 3,000, now at 276, that's your new maintenance, or you've metabolically adapted and you got to go a little bit lower. But if you're not even tracking, you're not even keeping track, and you're not tracking at all, it sounds like you just are eating like intuitively, which can work. But I usually tell patients to track first. So you're going to have to get on MyFitnessPal or the Carbon Diet app. I like those two the best. Carbon I like more, but it's like 8 or 10 bucks a month maybe. Um, but I like Carbon, the, the Carbon Diet app, because you check in with it once a week. And based on how much you've eaten, what you've eaten, and how much weight you've lost or not lost or gained or maintained, it will adjust your macros as needed. It'll say, well, your protein's about the same increase by 100 calories or decrease by 200 calories or whatever. It kind of like has a coaching aspect to it, whereas my fitness pal is just basically a calorie counter. Sure. You put in your height, weight, age, sex, whatever, it spits out a calorie count, I don't know, 1,800, let's say, and then you just track your calories. I like the database that my fitness pal has better, but you kind of get used to the carbon one. But either way, so in your situation, do you have a problem of maybe you metabolically adapted to your calorie count or you imperceptively started eating higher calorie foods, especially like keto fats have nine grams. Um, one gram of fat has nine calories versus like carbs and uh, protein, which is four. You know, if you eat one gram of protein, it's about four calories. It's almost, it's over double for fat. So if you're putting like olive oil and I don't know, just eating stuff that's more fatty, you're going to increase your calories without even knowing it. Cause it's imperceptible. Sometimes like even a bunch of chicken wings, could have way more calories than you think by looking at just a bunch of chicken, right? You think it's 100 grams of chicken, but because fat was infused into it and it was fried, it's a lot more. Nuts and seeds have more fat, so they're usually a little bit higher calories. Salads, if they put the olive oil or whatever they're doing with it, you end up with more calories, even though you think you're eating healthy and you're eating a salad. So you're going to have to probably track calories. Another thing you absolutely could do, GLP-1 medications usually make it so that you generally cannot overeat. Um, for the vast majority of people, if you eat, if you're on a GLP, when you sit down to eat, you're not gonna be able to eat that much. People do build up a little bit of a resistance to it over time. And that's why we sort of accelerate the doses. Um, but what we can do is add something like fentramine 
or diethylpropion, whichever. Usually, I, I usually start people on that. I start people on metformin plus fentramine. Fentramine is an appetite suppressant, which makes it so you don't ever want to eat. Um, and it works really, really well. I usually start with that on the outside because it's a pill. You don't have to inject yourself or anything. You start with the pill. It's like once a day. You, you take that for as long as you can. As long as you're losing weight, we just leave you on it. There's no reason to go to more expensive medications. Your insurance may or may not like it. Your may, insurance may not cover it whatsoever. That's the problem with those. But when you add metformin on top of it, metformin does cause some weight loss. And if you have insulin resistance or diabetes, that's even better because now you're on metformin. Um, the nice thing about being on metformin first is if we ever go to Ozempic or Monjaro, you're already tried another medication and maybe failed or didn't fail. One of the mechanisms, uh, metformin has a lot of mechanisms. One of them is it, it prevents you from absorbing carbs. So in a way, it like blocks sugar absorption. It blocks gluconeogenesis. It makes you more insulin sensitive, more insulin, less insulin resistant, all that stuff too. But one of its mechanisms of action is blocking you from absorbing carbs, which why some people get diarrhea in the beginning. They're like, oh, I can't take it. It's giving me side effects of diarrhea. No, that's like one of the desired effects is that it actually causes you to, you know, it's almost like an osmotic diuretic because there's more sugar in your intestines and in your colon because you're not absorbing it you attract water to it to like help it kind of flush out more. So that's one of the effects. And that's one of the ways we know that it's working. We tell people to take metformin slowly. We usually want you on four pills of 500 a day, like 2000 a day. We, I usually tell my patients, start with one a day, start with one every other day, slowly work your way up to one a day is fine. And you don't get diarrhea. Eventually add another one, then another one, then another one, take a few months to like get up to all 2000 uh, milligrams. Now, if when I, we add if Ozen- you better with uh, like the extended release version of it versus the. It, it really doesn't matter. The extended release, I if you get nausea, what's that? I started on metformin first. Yeah, if you, you should be on all three, to be honest with you. If you get the nausea effects, or if you get the, the diarrhea effects, we usually switch you to the long acting. If you get the nausea effects, we usually switch over to the short acting. But it really doesn't matter. If you just do it kind of slowly or like way slower than we, you know, the problem is most doctors hand you a script and say, go take a thousand in the morning, a thousand at night. They don't understand like a lot of people are going to get diarrhea and hate you or think it's not working or think it's a side effect and think it's not working with them. Um, so we definitely don't want that. So normally we'll put people on phenamine and say, go phenamine plus metformin see how much weight they lose, how often they lose it. Then you stack on even a low dose like Ozempic, the starting dose, Manjaro 2.5 or Ozempic 0.25, whatever. They start losing weight even faster. The combination there makes it, the fentramine actually increases your metabolism too. Um, So fentramine increases your metabolism and suppresses your appetite. When you are actually like hungry and actually sit down to eat, the Ozempic or Manjaro or whatever makes it so that you can't eat that much. So you get like this blast from all different sides while the metformin is making it so you can't absorb carbs, you're a little more insulin sensitive, less insulin resistant, all that stuff. So that combination, those three together really, really work. You can add on Topamax. Um, you can do other things. You could switch to diethylpropion. Sometimes when somebody's like kind of maxed out on the fentramine, we switch them to diethylpropion. The only issue with that one is it's three times a day, but that one works really, really well. You end up on all three of those, or at least maybe even four sometimes, man, you will drop weight really, really fast and really, really quickly. What state are you in? I'm in Iowa. And I should say, I've I've been on every single one of those medications that you talked about at one point. But right? not, not all together. Not all together. The yeah, only thing I, the I don't like fentramine because my ticker tends to run a tick, tick or two higher with, uh, with um, the GLP ones. 
Yeah, and that happens. So in your case, you would need dialthopropion. That doesn't have the accelerated heart rate or the anxiety or the dry what mouth. Is, or what is that? Is that just metformin? No, it's called diethylpropion. What it's is a medication? Huh? Why? Like, how does it work? It's very similar to fentramine, but minus the heart racing, the anxiety, the elevated blood pressure, stuff like that. So we usually put people on fentramine because it's once a day, and if it works, it's great. If they get the tachycardia or the dry mouth, the mouth sores, anxiety gets ramped up, then we'll switch them to diethyl, but it's three times a day usually. Some people can get away with it just twice a day. That gives us a little wiggle room where we can add a third one if we want to. Um, but definitely, you need to be on probably all three. There's, there, It's not uh, being on one. Like I said, these are like these pop-up Ozempic clinics. They're just like, here, take this. Wait, no, now let's take this. Let's take this. Like they just don't have the experience. They don't know what they're doing. They think it's like you just put somebody on one thing and that's the end of it. You know, see you in six months. Um, and I'm sure not all of them are like that. I'm, I'm kind of exaggerating, but that's the stuff I see online nowadays. It's like... Yeah. And the, the hardcore and, ones that are advertising hardcore are very, very much push, just pushing to a, and especially the compounds because there's money to be made for them in those. Right. Um, but I, I don't want to bore the audience too much more with my own story because I know that they'll kick me if I don't ask you some questions that they're itching to know. They're sick of hearing. Yeah, about if they it. have questions, fire away. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the one of the things that I'm interested to hear from you, and I know they will be too, is. On the story uh, uh, that has come out uh, about semaglutide in the last couple of months on the select trials. Now, I don't know how closely you follow that stuff, but basically you have uh, people with preserved ejection infraction, you know, experiencing uh, much fewer uh, events like heart attacks, fatal heart attacks and strokes. Well, it's everybody. It's not just people with heart failure. It's a, It was a trial that was done. It's called the Select Outcomes Trial. They looked at non-diabetics actually taking the full Wegovy dose, the 2.4 milligrams, not the 0. 0.25, 0. 0.51, the full dose, 2.4 milligrams. These are non-diabetics, which is pretty cool. We always used to think of these drugs as well. These are for diabetics. You know, cardiologists sometimes don't want to prescribe it because it's quote unquote for diabetics. Let the endocrinologists do it. But, you know, there's this whole thing. There's this whole movement now called cardiodiabetes, you know, cardiodiabetes, obesity cardiodiabetes, or they call it, car, you know, cardiometabolic syndrome has always been around, but like they'll call it also um, cardio, uh, cardio nephro something. Oh, like the whole like diabetes plus your kidneys plus your heart kind of mixed with obesity altogether is a terrible triad or quadrad of afflictions. So what they found with this trial is people had a 20%, even up to 26% reduction in MACE events were called major adverse cardiovascular events. These are like heart attacks and strokes. Non-diabetics taking this medication for whatever reason had reduced heart attacks and strokes, stents, bypass surgery, you know, anything that's cardiovascular, which is super impressive. Um, we we don't generally see that a lot. No, some people are saying, well, it's because they lost weight. In that trial, in the select outcomes trial, they did not lose as much weight as they normally do. They only lost 9% of total uh, body weight, even at the highest dose, the Wagovi dose, they only lost 9%. What's that? Why do you think that is? Were they monitoring diet and activity less than they were in the... I maybe? think, yeah, the original trial, when when they did the uh, Ozempic, they they were super strict about diet counseling, calories, exercise. They even, they even had an exercise and diet arm and a diet and exercise arm plus semaglutide. So there was like a 16 to 18% drop in body weight versus the, the placebo group was like 2 to 4%, you know, barely anything. Um, so... With this trial, I'd have to go back and look, but 
they only had a 9% drop in total body weight versus the, you know, usual like 15, 16, now even 20, 25% that we see sometimes. So you can't write it all off as that entire 20% reduction in MACE events was due to weight loss because we've had studies with weight loss and you don't suddenly get a huge decline like that. You do get some, but I don't know. I think what they'll have to do is it's it's hard to control because you're going to have to put people on something else to cause 9% weight loss, which is going to be like diet and exercise probably, or fentermine or just something. And then cross compare the same people that lost those five pounds versus the same people that lost five pounds on this medication. How much did they lose in terms of mace reduction? So of all people that lost only one pound, was there a mace reduction? People that lost two pounds on the GLP versus non-GLP, how much of a mace reduction did they have? You'd have to stratify it by not yeah. only whether or not they were on the medication or a different way of losing weight versus how much weight did they lose and how much did the weight contribute? Like what was the size effect of the weight loss? The people that lost the most amount of body weight, did they have the biggest reductions in mace events on both arms or just the GLP arm? I think you're going to have to like try to figure it out that way, which is kind of tricky. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a much larger, more difficult trial because getting people to lose weight without medications is obviously much harder. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what I'm hearing you say is is that it it could be the molecule itself, and not not just the weight loss. I've, I've heard, and maybe you can speak to this, and maybe maybe I'm talking out of my butt, but I, I believe that I read somewhere that there are GLP one receptors in the cells of the heart. They're, they're probably everywhere. I don't know for certain. Let me ask you you a question or your audience a question. People, I always ask this question, not that many people get it right. Do you know, and if you know it, don't answer, obviously. Do you know where these GLP-1s came from? The first one, exenatide. Do you know what the origin of it is? It's something from nature, but it's very interesting. Yeah, we covered this on one of the first, actually one of the first shows that we ever did, we covered this one. Okay, good. So you know it's the venom of a Gila monster, a lizard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was it was actually called it was Xenotide was the first one by Eda in two thousand five, but it was it was the molecule was called something else at that time. This guy had discovered this in like the nineteen eighties and and was trying to sell it to like, you know, he patented it and everything he was trying to sell it to somebody to like go make this because it was helping diabetics. It wasn't until like in the late nineties that somebody picked it up. It was Amelin, that company's closed now. Um it was called Amelin or Simlin maybe. I think it was called Amelin. They also made Simlin, but that's going right. now too. But it was amylin, and they made the bietta, and it was working. People were losing weight, but they were getting so nauseated. Then there was like the whole pancreatitis scare and pancreatic cancer, and they stopped. They pulled it off the market, but now they've brought it back. Now it's available as Bidurion as the long-acting once-a-week um, injection. Some of the other ones, like you could try even Victoza. You could Victoza's once a day, though. Trulicity. You know, we have all different options. There was the Sexenda dose of Victoza, which was the higher dose. Um, but there's all kinds of things we can do now if somebody stalls out and gains weight back. But honestly, in your situation, and I know you didn't bring me on here to talk about you probably, but if you were my patient, I would say we got to get you on all three, metformin, phenamine, plus uh, the highest dose you tolerate of Manjaro, which you're already on. Maybe even try flipping it to Ozempic and just seeing if that, you know. Yeah, so the last, the last three months I did switch over and the last three months I was taking Ozempic. And that's when my weight really shot up. So I was maintaining at about a 30 pound weight loss with the 15 milligram Manjaro. And my weight started to creep up maybe like five pounds. And I told my doctor, I was like, I don't have anywhere to go with this Manjaro. And I've heard from at least anecdotally enough people 
that actually respond better to semaglutide because I think it's more of a blunt GLP-1. Uh, so it actually, I think this is my experience, but I think the GLP-1 part of semaglutide is a little bit stronger because you, I really get that delayed gastric emptying yeah, yeah. that I never really got a whole lot with Manjaro. So, but so I, one I thing you can do, do you notice by the end of the week you're eating more or you don't feel it as much? Um, so I, I noticed that with both of them. I, okay, I feel so like one I thing have, you can do is bring it closer together instead of taking it on the first day and then again on the eighth day, do it on like, I don't know, day one and then day like five. So before it kind of fully wears off to keep yeah. the level high, because some people are a fast metabolizer, especially since you're young, you're not like a 60 or 70 year old. So 60, 70 year olds, you know, you can get away with, you might even spread it out. We might tell them to take it every 10 days because yeah. they're just like, oh my God, the second I gave myself that second injection, I feel miserable. Okay, then just stop. Wait till the 10th day and inject yourself. In your case, I would go the first day, maybe the fourth or fifth day and see if you can keep that level higher for a longer period of time. Definitely the fentramine in your situation is probably going to make a huge difference. I would track calories just to know, just yeah. like to find out well, how much am I actually eating? Like, what do I need to eat to get there? Because you don't, you may, I mean, if you get, the thing is like your metabolism will reset too. When you get down to a new body weight, you said you're like 5'10". Let's say you get to like 190, right? Or 185. I don't know. Just pick a number. Your metabolism will reset to do what a, what a 180 pound year old needs now you only need like 1,800 calories a day to lose weight. At about 22, 2,300, you can maintain. You're going to gain weight um, initially. You'll gain 5 to maybe 10 pounds, most men at least. Women will gain 5 to 7, men about 7 to 10, maybe 12, right off the bat once you increase calories. Once you come out of a calorie deficit, which you were, you come off a calorie deficit, now your muscles are taking back up glycogen. Water goes with it. Every gram of glycogen, 3 ounces of water follow it. So you're going to shoot up and weight 7 to maybe 12 pounds right off the bat once you increase your calories, even to maintenance. Not even so maybe, maybe that's what happened with the Ozempic is maybe maybe I would, my calories just subconsciously, I was eating more even though I didn't feel like it. But I, again, I've been practicing more of that intuitive eating. I don't eat if I'm not hungry. If I'm hungry, yeah, I well, eat. Sometimes full, you, not. like I always tell my patients, you don't have to actually eat. Like if you're not hungry, don't force feed yourself. Definitely get enough water and fiber. But if you're not hungry, move on, you know, go to sleep hungry. No big deal. I mean, it's not optimal, but it'll get you the the results. Eventually we can tweak it and get you off, you know, some of the other meds or, you know, leave you on just a much lower dose. But the, the whole idea is once you get down to an ideal body weight or whatever body weight you want, no one can tell you what you should weigh. But once you get down to what you like, uh, at that point in time, we got to crank your calories up a little. And then you're going to put on some weight, mostly water and glycogen, and then you got to maintain that. And then we kind of leave you alone. There's also this metabolic adaptation thing that happens quite a bit. I talk about it a lot in my uh, book, Actual Weight Loss. Some people, before we had these meds, they, they're in a calorie deficit for a long time, like three months, four months. They're losing weight. They're losing weight. They stall out. Let's say you get to, you said 276 maybe. You get to 276, you're stuck there, you're stuck there, you're stuck there. In your situation we would crank your calories back up a little. Let's say you're eating 3,000. We'd put you back up to 3,300, maybe 3,400. Have you gain back those 10, 12 pounds, sit you in a calorie maintenance or even a little bit of a surplus for three to four months, five months, six months to bring your metabolism levels back up so that now you are able to consume more. You'll you're, you're crank up your weight almost initially right up to those like 10, 12 pounds immediately, but then you'll kind of stay there. 
Well, you could keep increasing your calories gradually till your weight starts going up even more. Like you get to, let's say you get to no, 312. You were 300, now you're 312. You stay there, you stay there. You're bringing up your calories, bringing up your calories. Finally, you get to 314, 316. Then we know you've hit your kind of limit. Then we could cut out 200 calories or so and get you back down a little. That will bring your body back into your kind of like a new maintenance zone at 312. Maintain that for like six to eight months. Stay at that six, you know, 316. I'm just making these numbers up. You're, we're assuming you were much heavier, like 360 or whatever. But you maintain that 312 for even a year if you want to. You're happier. You're eating more. You're not obsessed with food. You're not tracking like a madman. All of that. Stick with it. Then we bring your calories back down again. And all of a sudden, weight starts coming off at a much higher calorie count. We can leave you at like 2,900 or 3,000 again, whatever it was, 2,800, let's say. Now weight will start flying off again because now your body's like, okay, we got to lose weight again. Um, and the meds just make it a lot easier to stick to these numbers. These medications aren't like magic. They're not going to like not make you put food in your mouth, but they make it a lot easier for you to stick to a calorie count. And that kind of approach seems to work the best, if you ask me, um, where we combine the older methods of straight up calorie counting, dieting down, all of that with the medications that make it so much easier. It's like willpower in a bottle or in a pen, I guess, um, for some people. But it just that combination of the three meds together, plus calorie counting, plus being like consciously aware of like, hey, I'm not really hungry. Why am I eating? You know, I'm not hungry. Move on. Move on to tomorrow. No big deal. Just get enough water, get enough fiber, and you'll be okay. I think a lot of that uh, would be very helpful if people just understood that. Too many people think you're just going to get an injection, you're just going to lose weight magically for the rest of your life. As you've noticed, that just doesn't happen. Absolutely. Uh, that's interesting stuff. And I'm definitely going to look up, uh, not only the diethyl, whatever you said. Propion. I can send you that in a link or text. Is that a a central nervous stimulant? Like it's almost exactly like fentramine. The mechanisms of action are almost exactly the same. Um, it brings up your metabolism. It's like a stimulant, like Adderall almost, you know, we, when little kids are super overweight, we put them on Adderall or like, like Ritalin, they lose weight. It's the same thing. It's a stimulant, knocks out your appetite. You feel like you're on crack. People feel so good on it. Like go vacuum the entire neighborhood's homes, mow everybody's lawns, build everybody's barns. Like, you know, literally it's like being on crack. Um, and they love it. And then, you know, it's also like, (laughs) and they love it. (laughs) They do. They think it's amazing. Like, Oh my God, I got like patients don't realize what I'm putting them on. And then they come back after a month. They're like, doc, I don't know what happened, but like you, you know, I'm so excited. This is amazing. Like, I feel like I got so much energy. I lost weight and I feel excited. They think it's because they lost weight. It's like, it's like you're being on caffeine on steroids. They think it's because they lost weight. And it's like, no, no, no. This is what we put you on. They're like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I don't want to burst their bubble, but I mean, they feel like amazing. They go like, you know, build everybody's homes on the neighborhood and fix everybody's sheds. And they're like super excited. But that's how diethylpropion and phenamine work. They make you not, hungry and super crazy metabolism not it's not like a gigantic leap in metabolism some people have a way you know a bigger effect on metabolism than others some you know don't really notice it but a lot of people are like oh you know it's crazy yeah, I've, got, like, I've got the fentramine i just i don't like it that's my that's so are you is that the 37.5 no 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 this is uh uh eight milligram oh god that's super low yeah, so, so I mean, usually I I put people in the beginning on the full dose, the thirty-seven and a half. Let I can't them ride that out to lose I as much like weight as they can. I feel like thirty-seven and a half would make my heart explode. 
Well, you're so the you need, you need, you need, I know that's why I do it. Like a lot of the family doctors will send them to me because they're like, listen, he can put you on that. You have AFib, you have hypertension, you're crazy, you have heart, heart shit. Like, let me put you, send you to the cardiologist. He can put you on it. Um, so that's why, I mean, I get a lot of patients because of that. They're like, hey, listen, or, or the, the patient will go back to their family doctor and be like, doc, you know, I was reading about this medicine and, uh, it can speed up your heart rate. And the, the family doctor be like, listen, he's a cardiologist. He knows what he's doing. He can fix your heart rate too. Um, but I've never had to put somebody on a medicine. Like people in AFib, if they're well controlled and they're on medications to control their AFib, like amiodarone, who like really keeps them in rhythm, it's not a problem. If they're on blood pressure meds, it's usually not a problem. It's the naive people, and naive I don't mean like in a bad way, but like people are not on medications for blood pressure, for heart rates, that have that sudden increase in heart rate or blood pressure. Those are the ones you got to watch a little closely and aggressively. The nice thing about it, and, and for fentramine especially, it's the first two or three days that you feel that heart racing. Usually once you've been on it for a while, it kind of wears off and you don't really notice it or feel it. So it's like this initial, like imagine if you haven't drank caffeine in a while. Now it's like exam week and you got to go study and you pound some caffeine and you drink the whole pot and you can't sleep for like a month. Um, that's kind of the effect. You get used to it and it's not as stimulity. You know, I don't know. It's not a much of a stimulant after the first two or three days. But some people, even on the low dose, like you said, are still getting symptoms. Then we'll put you on diethylpropion instead. You won't get any of that stuff. But usually I put people on the highest dose. When we add Ozempic or whatever, you could lower it. I'll still ride it out on the highest dose as long as they can take both to see how much weight they can lose quickly. Because the faster you get the weight off for most people, the better they're going to do. Their their uh, metabolism, uh, their metabolic markers all improve. Their insulin resistance, their diabetes. They get off blood pressure meds. They get off diabetes meds. They can walk. They can walk the dog, shovel their house, you know, whatever it is here in Ohio. Oh, amazing. But they can do all that stuff because now they can actually function. So we try to get off as much weight as possible, then slowly reduce like the phenamine dose down to the 8, 10, 15 dose or even 20. Um, we'll drop the Ozempic down a little just to see how they do. Or even just be like, hey, stop everything. See how you do. We can always go back. It's not the end of the world. Stop everything for three months. See how they do. If they maintain or just put on those 5 to maybe 12 pounds, they're fine. Um, if they start really putting it back on, then obviously we got to go back to it and kind of teach them again how to have a good, healthy relationship with food, how much they should be eating or not eating. One of the biggest things that patients say to me is like, Doc, ever since you put me on this fentramine, now I know how much I should be eating. Like I would sit down with my family at night and eat for no reason, just because there's food sitting there. I'm not hungry. I'm just bored. I'm just sitting with family to hang out with them. And I just start putting food in my mouth, even though I'm not even hungry. These medications have taught me, the fentramine in this lady's case, and, and most of them, like these medications have taught me that I... When I need to actually eat and when I don't need to eat, it's just like a, an education and like how much food you should be eating or not eating. So it's it's been fantastic. I mean, in the past, all we had is these older medications like Fentramine, Ritalin, Adderall, Diethylpropion, Topamax, Bice, Bice, uh, what was it called? Bistique? Pristique? I don't know. There was this one. They took it off the market. What was it called? Um, Crack. I can't even remember. It's been so long. Bistick or something like that. I don't remember. There was a few... But all we had is those older medications. Once these came on the market, it was like, whoa, this opens up a whole new world of like, we can like force people to lose weight effortlessly now and they have no choice. Like I'm, I tell my patients sometimes, do what you want. You're going to be like 30 pounds lighter next time I see you. And they're like, what? And for some people, it's absolutely true for the majority. But again, now, now the magic comes in, not the magic, but the experience or the education comes in. Like, what do you do with someone like you? He was, I don't know what, let's say 350, dropped to 316. 276 back up to 298 stuck 
medicine's not working anymore. Now what do you do? That's where you got to have expertise. You got to have experience. You got to know what else to do. Coming from a background as a, somebody who's practiced obesity medicine for 22 years now, maybe 20 years, and knowing the old medications, knowing what they can do, being a certified personal trainer, knowing how we can diet people down with, you know, calorie counting and just basic stuff. You said you're not very active. Even if you just walked for 10 minutes a day, that would help. If you don't lift weights, that would always help. Not because the actual lifting weights is going to cause weight loss or the walking is going to cause weight loss. Not for that. But mentally, it puts you in a place where I'm putting all this time and effort into working out and lifting and going on walks. I should also put effort into not putting food in my mouth when I don't need to be. So just like mentally, your mental headspace will even be better. I talk about mindset a lot. I even have like a, a free weight loss course, a mindset weight loss course where people can just learn about the whole mindset of weight loss. But definitely all of that together, I mean, we've I've never had anybody not lose weight. Um, and I think it's these harder ones that get stuck like that, that you really need to like double down and figure out why is this person not losing weight? What is the hiccup? What is the holdup? Where are they getting stuck? And then it takes like a deep dive. Sometimes you got to sit with a patient for like an hour, kind of like we're doing now. This is your free consult. Yeah, but you got to figure out like your mental space. Like, where are you? What, what do you, what do you think? It, it seems like in your case, the medications haven't worn off and, and you thought it was going to be easy where you just put, put the medicine in your stomach or thigh or whatever, and you're just going to lose weight for the rest of your life. Clearly, that's not the case. In your case, we're going to have to put some time and effort into probably tracking calories, probably adding more meds that you can tolerate and just being a little more careful with like, don't eat if you don't need to. Um, the whole point is to not eat. And if you feel like, well, I'm not eating anything, then, then don't eat anything. That's kind of the whole point. Um, we can figure it out later once you get your ideal body weight or your goal weight. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the free consult. <laughs> wasn't my agenda. I assure you of that. It wasn't my agenda. No, no, it's totally but fine. I, I mean, but this is the stuff I'm super passionate about. Like I get these patients yeah. all the time. Like, well, I already tried that. It didn't work. I'm like, who gave you that first of all? And what they just thought you were just going to inject yourself for the rest of your life. And you're going to get like, you're going to lose a million pounds. Like that's just yeah. not, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's, that's a bizarre thought in my mind. Like the problem is like, I've, I've heard also these, like, uh, these practitioners and, and they may be doctors, nurse practitioners. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not like trying to discriminate against nurse practitioners, but it'll be like, they'll come to your house and inject you. You just got to pay them a thousand bucks a month. Like wow. what? Like that's not weight loss. Like you're just showing up and injecting this person and walking away. Like you don't talk to them. You don't counsel them. You don't weigh them. Like, you literally just show up and give them an injection and walk out like what? Like that's just, that's just a bunch of nonsense that might work for some people short term, kind of like you've noticed or other people have noticed. I have patients that have noticed this as well. And then they finally find me somehow and they're like, Oh, well, okay, this is way different. Now I, you know, we can, we can really like, we can really lose some weight. One of the people in my community, I have this, you know, weight loss slash, you know, heart health community. One of the ladies in my community has lost 117 pounds now and she is like crying every time we meet. We do these Zoom lives Monday Monday evenings. She cries every time. She's like, I don't, I can't believe this. You know, I don't, I never thought this would work. We actually had to raise her calories. She's crying and so emotional because she had been trying for her entire life to lose weight. She would literally lose like the same 15 pounds over and over again. Like you said, gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it, gain it, lose it. She tried everything. Did pretty much, she was eating 800 to 1200 calories a day at one point, not losing weight, still 300, um, 
30 pounds, maybe 340, something like that. Mm-hmm. Would lose 10, 15 pounds, gain it back, lose them. Same as you tried all these wacky diets, you know, crazy mm-hmm. keto and God knows what, all these bizarre restrictive diets, which they do work as long as you control calories. All diets work. I mean, you know that it's not rocket science, but she's been doing all that. I'm like, listen, you are in a very, very low metabolic state. You're eating 800 calories a day. You're not losing weight. Let's crank you up to 2,800. Like you're 300 some odd pounds. You should not be eating what a five-year-old should be eating. Like that's just nuts. She had like a severe form of metabolic adaptation. She, ad- she adapted to five, 800 calories, maybe 1,200 calories a day for the longest time. We put her up slowly, went up to like 1,600, 1,800, 2,200, all the way up to like 2,800, 2,900. Finally, weight started coming off um, in her case. She likes walking. She does like, you know, stuff like that regardless on her own. She enjoys that recently. So she's lost 117 pounds since I'd say about May or June of, you know, this last summer. And she's just killing it. I mean, just doing fantastic. Still eating about 24 to 2,600 calories a day, you know, at that level, still dropping weight, you know, a pound or two here and there. The most she's ever lost is like 10 pounds in a month. She almost feels disappointed when it's not 10 pounds in a month. Now I'm like, listen, you can't keep losing 10 pounds a month. Don't feel bad. You lost another four. It's great. You know, she's got like super high expectations, super hard on herself, type A personality, like, you know, almost all of us. But like, you know, your expectations are a little bit, off because it's working you're working so well at like higher calories like i know but i'm loving food and i'm enjoying it i'm eating everything and then this isn't a female whose metabolism is usually lower than men obviously so at eating 2800 calories a day 24 maybe now still losing weight at a nice clip not like the 0.5 you know a month or point point whatever a week um still losing like two to three pounds a week maybe sometimes more sometimes less but doing fantastic um, and when we meet with her and talk to her every Monday, she's just like bawling her eyes out almost because she just can't believe how and why this works. She's like, I've never been able to do this before. It's been like seven, eight months now. I've never lost this much weight, this sustainably, this easily, this like whatever. She's like, I'm just keep feeling like I'm going to fail and I'm going to gain it all back. I'm like, no, 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 you're doing fine. You're doing it well. Just keep at it. But I think a lot of it, like you said, is the mental game. It's all like a lot of it is mental. You got to be in it you know, to win it, it's not like you can't be lazy. Like, you know, we, before, if you wanted to lose weight, you couldn't be lazy, right? You had to work hard. You had to eat less, move more, whatever, all the usual stuff. People think now you're on medications, you can just do nothing. It's not the case. And some people, they still have to do something or they need a doctor who's going to stack on medications and get them doing the right things and not just keep them on the same thing and trying the same thing over and over again, because it's clearly not working or it'll work for a little while. And then you adapt and you kind of go back in your case, I'd probably in, inject sooner, uh, go back to the 15 of Manjaro, add diethylpropion, metformin. It sounds like you're maybe already on metformin. Maybe even add a little Topamax later, just see how you do. But I'd, I'd, I'd inject the Manjaro's on day five um, instead of day seven again or eight and just see if that helps. That might help. Also be more aware and conscious of what you're eating. I would absolutely track with an app, not because I think that's going to make a difference, but so that you know how much you're eating and you have a track record of what you're putting in your mouth. Like if one week you lost more weight than another, they can go back and say, oh, look, here's how many calories I ate that week versus now. Plus it has like a coaching feature and it can tell you, well, look, you need to cut your calories or you need to increase them. Some people just need to increase it. You might be just too low. Um, so in that case, you might need to increase them. But I think in your situation, just on our in our brief conversation, I can tell that you probably need to track in addition to adding on maybe a few more things because... 
it'll give you more of an awareness and an education and like kind of what works for you. I definitely wouldn't go keto or do anything extreme. Just eat what you like. I mean, um, I usually tell people just eat what you enjoy. It just has to be a little bit less. And that's kind of like the whole premise. Your markers will improve. Now, if you're like a bodybuilder and trying to build muscle or not lose muscle or whatever, it's a different story. We got to be super precise, you know, precision nutrition or whatever. But in your case, or most people's case, they just want to lose some weight. You could literally just eat cookies. You could literally just dump sugar in your mouth. It adds up to a certain number of calories and you'll lose weight. I mean, it's not optimal. It's not the best thing in the world, but it works. So you might feel hungrier. You might not like it. You might feel like crap, but it does work. But, you know, obviously we're not trying to do that or suggesting that, but definitely that's what I would recommend. That's great. Dave had the cardiologist on this weekend and my takeaway was the sugar diet. <laughs> yeah, no one is suggesting that, obviously. Dr. Allo no, said. People, people think that if you eat sugar, you're going to give yourself diabetes, which is just a bunch of nonsense. You cannot eat 1,200 jelly donuts a day and give yourself diabetes unless you have the genes for diabetes. You know, 9% of the country is diabetic. They have the genes for it. They got it from mom or dad. Another small percentage is pre-diabetic. They have the genes for it too. They can eat a bunch of jelly donuts and make their diabetes worse. I always tell people, I, I spent 20 years um, where half of each year was ketogenic eating. So I didn't... And, and you're still I diabetic. Didn't, I didn't sugar my way to diabetes. No, I don't, genetic, I, really don't. I mean... The, the, the keto crowd and especially these carnivore crowd now, they love to tell people that the only thing you need to do is avoid sugar. Somehow, magically, all, all your problems go away if you cut out sugar. Like, first of all, sugar is the preferred uh, energy source for all of your organs, your brain, your body, everything. Sure, you can live without it. It's an adaptive mechanism for like when we were starving in caves, you know, during the winter months or whatever, your body can adapt to it. But why on earth would you do that to yourself? There's, probably a, there's probably a reason that your body makes it. Right. Exactly. Your body can make it. And then I coach a lot of sports. I coach football, basketball, soccer, and like high performance athletes, track, cross country, whatever. When we need to go to a tournament at 5 a.m., I'm not having my kids eat cereal in the morning. They're eating like candy. They're eating nerds. They're literally dumping sugar in their mouth with water or like a sugary Gatorade or whatever it is. You you coming in off an overnight fast, waking up at 5 a.m. to drive an hour to go play for 90 minutes straight, you are not going to, like, drink some dairy, you know, cereal. Like, you can have the cereal dry if you want to, but that's not fast-absorbing carbs. You need, like, the fastest, quickest-absorbing carbs that you can get. Usually Nerds candy or any of these other, like, gummy bears or whatever is going to be, like, fast-absorbing carbs, sugar water, apple juice, whatever. Any of that is going to be, like, your best source of energy. It'll replete your muscle glycogen the fastest. And then you have some left over in your in your bloodstream to like actually play sports. Um, so I don't know the the anti sugar people are just really weird. <laughs> They're almost as bad as the anti seed oil people. Like, but they got some amazing supplements that they can sell you to fix your oh, oxidation. Yeah. yeah, what's the guy the guy that's selling the water? The magic water, Gary Brecca. Yeah, the he's magic. Like, he's water. in and out of jail every five seconds. Yeah, probably again at some point. Some of his business partners keep suing him because clearly he's insane. He's like, why don't we? But he just sells a seven thousand dollar cold plunge tub that you can buy, a three thousand dollar electromagnetic mat that you can sleep on, a two thousand dollar wand to mix in your water, a four to five thousand dollar depending on the model you choose, hydrogenizer something for your water supply. <laughs> just wow. a bunch of nonsense. Wow, I need to come up with something. 
Yeah, you need to make some whole profile about that kind of nonsense and just sell it. <laughs> My goodness. Well, uh, so one question that I have for you, and then I'll cut, I'll cut you loose because you've been go- giving me a lot of your time tonight. Um, so on the keto stuff, right? So I, I'm with you. I think, I think that there's a whole community that is keto that is just is so dogmatic that they'll never see the world a different way, even if the science and and data changes. It's like they have to bend it around their reality. Um, so my question is, explain to me, I've always bought into the idea from, you know, what I've learned about the ketogenic diet, that a body that runs high insulin levels is not an, a, an environment in your body that's very conducive to weight loss because insulin by nature's job is to pack energy in onto your body. So help me understand why that is not true, or if it is true, why ketogenic diets wouldn't be advantageous to somebody who's diabetic or insulin resistant when it comes to weight loss. So for, first of all, I'm not anti-keto. If you want to do keto and that works for you and you can adhere to it and you like it, that's the best diet for you. Like I, I'm not, I'm diet agnostic. If you look at my, all the stuff I posted, all my books, everything, when I talk about weight loss, pick whatever works for you that you can actually stick to. Don't do something for 10 minutes if you can't do it for 10 decades, right? Don't do something for 10 days or 10 months if you can't do it for 10 years. Pick what you can do for a long time. Keto is not superior to any other diet. The funny thing is, these GLP-1 <laughs> receptor agonists, they increase insulin secretion. Like people are right. like, well, you know, if you have high levels of insulin, you're going to gain fat. No, these medications increase insulin and actually cause weight loss. Um, so it's not really that. Like it's it's all a matter of like calories in versus calories out. I mean, the carbohydrate insulin model has been like debunked a million times. And I, and I don't like people trying to bend the science, like you said, to fit their model. Like, look, just say, I don't care what the science says. I like keto and I like eating fat and I like eating meat and I, and it works for me. Great. You don't have to like make up studies and come up with some BS to like justify it. No one gives a damn what you want to eat or how you want to eat. Go eat it. Just get your weight off. Like, you know, if you can stick to it for the rest of your life, fine. Or you could say, well, I just want to lose a hundred pounds and then I'll go to eat, go back to eating a balanced meal or Mediterranean or whatever you like. I don't pick something, but you don't need to tell people that it's optimal or superior. Yeah, there have been okay. studies done. Like, for example, the, the study by Kevin Hall. It was called the Diet Fits Trial. They looked at diabetics, non-diabetics, phenotypic diabetics, and people just have the genes for it. People are insulin resistant or non-insulin resistant. They put them in low-carb diets versus – and they, they equated calories, which is very important. Like everybody ate 2,000 calories a day, and they equated protein. Everybody ate 100 or 150 grams of protein a day. They equated calories and protein, and they monitored them very, very closely with doubly labeled water for a year. So it's very, very accurate. When you drink doubly labeled water, you cannot fake how much you ate. You cannot fake how much your BMR, your BMR was or your total daily energy expenditure was. They are tracking your metabolism, your excretion, how much you ate, how much you didn't eat. Like they know exactly how many calories you're eating. What's that? What did what did you say they were drinking? Doubly labeled water. Doubly it's instead labeled. of H two O, they they add like an extra ion or a proton, and it's deuterium instead of um, uh, instead of oxygen instead of H two O. So they they can track it. It's like almost like nuclearly labeled or like oh, not nuclear. Nuclear is the wrong word. Um, 
They tag it almost. Forget the exact name for it. They add like an extra tag to water. So when you drink it, as you pee, they collect samples and they see how much energy you've burned, how many calories you've eaten, how many calories you've burned over what time horizon. Like they give you a, a certain amount, like 100 grams to drink, and then they track it in your urine to see how much your metabolism actually is, how much you burn or not burn. But they looked at people who were diabetic or not diabetic on low carb or not low carb, controlled for calories, controlled for protein. Those are the most important. And then they just adjusted fat and carbs who are really high fat versus really low carb or a more balanced, higher carb, lower fat meal. And they found no difference in, in weight loss at 12 months. They all had the same amount of weight loss. The diabetics were not uh, better at losing weight on keto than the non-diabetics. The insulin resistance who were not yet diabetics didn't either. I mean, it was a very, very well done study by Kevin Hall. I'll be happy to send it to you if you'd like. Kevin yeah. Hall is like one of the best researchers um, on metabolism, weight loss, calories, and all that. He's a fantastic person to follow. He's on my Twitter. His name is Kevin Hall, PhD. You know, just search him on there. Um, but he did a fantastic job. It's probably the best, most well-done study on this topic. But again, like I'm not trying to bend the science to fit my philosophy. If you like keto, do keto. Um, the insulin will drive calories into fat if you consume too many of them. Like if you eat, and it can be any calories. It doesn't matter if it's sugar or not. If you eat 10,000 calories a day of just fat, you don't think you're releasing insulin and it's going to get stored? It's actually easier to store fat than anything else because it's already fat. You know, it doesn't have to be broken down. It just gets stored in your, it, when it gets into your intestines, it gets broken down into fatty acids attached to a glycerol, packaged up into chylomicrons, which are a type of lipoprotein. I always use these models. This is a lipoprotein, but you can imagine this as a chylomicron, which is a type of lipoprotein that absorbs fats out of your intestines and goes and delivers it to your muscle. When your muscle doesn't need anymore, it goes and stores it as fat in your fat cells. So insulin does drive that if you eat too many calories, but if you're not eating too many calories or you're maintaining or you're in a calorie deficit even, you actually lose weight. It doesn't matter if you're eating too many calories of carbs or fat or protein. All of it can eventually ultimately be stored if needed. Um, protein's a little harder, but definitely still it can be stored if you're eating more calories than you need. It doesn't matter if it's keto or balanced or what have you. The key is to get under your calorie count. And I would recommend that to most people. Back when we didn't have a lot of medication options, we would just have people count calories for like Weight Watchers almost. They get a point system, but instead it's like actual calories. It's not called Weight Watchers. It's just food. Um, <laughs> but definitely those do work. You just have to actually do it. But I'm saying this like, and I don't, I'm not being mean. I'm not like saying it's easy. It is absolutely hard. Like when I got down to insanely lean and shredded, even though it was like, quote unquote, easy, because I just track calories, but it was the hardest thing you'll ever do too. Like, you know, at the end of the day, you're like, man, F, I'm hungry. You're like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go sleep and it sucks. Um, or like, I'll just eat a pickle. It's like six calories, but it's crunchy. It's salty. It feels good. Kind of fills you up. Go to sleep, you know, whatever. But you got to find ways of like eating a high volume foods that are less calories, like popcorn, lettuce, calorie, you know, kale, spinach, broccoli, try eating a bucket of broccoli, you know, it'll fill you up and you'll feel stuffed, but you probably only eat like a hundred calories, you know? So all that stuff, you got to come up with these like tricks and ways of doing it. Like that's what we, that's what we do. And we're like coaching, you know, bodybuilders to lean down. They got to do stuff like this. Like, all right, doc, I got to go eat a bucket of broccoli. Like, all right, he's going to be stuffed and he's starting, you know, wake up the next morning starving, but 
they're trying to get down to like 4 or 5% body weight. Now, this is an eating disorder. Please don't try this at home. But still, that's how we used to do it. Now we have medications that make it a whole lot easier and in some cases almost effortless. But then what do you do with the hard cases that are struggling and aren't losing weight or just lost a little bit and still need to lose more? That's where you got to really know what you're doing and really have better options or, you know, more advanced techniques. Yeah, helpful. So I need to stack some medicine. I need to uh, start tracking with carbon, eat my my weight in straight sugar or buckets of broccoli. (laughs) No, but tracking. So so tracking, maybe tracking and stacking uh, and and moving a little bit more. Now, are you actually on metformin? No, I was on metformin prior to being on GLP, but... Okay, you really need to be on probably all three, and I can almost guarantee you next time we talk, you'll be like 190 pounds. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll give metformin another whirl. Who's your doctor? What's that? Do you see a doctor? Do you go to an obesity medicine physician? My doctor is an obesity medicine doctor and an internal medicine doctor. Um, Yeah, they all have to be doctors in something. They just stack on obesity medicine. They did. Did they not suggest to you to be on multiple medications at the same time? So no, I mean, like I said, we uh, he's he's extremely zealous towards the ketogenic diet. has got a whole program, and so it's like it's kind of like beating my head into a wall. I feel like I've said a hundred times, it's just isn't it isn't for me, you know. Um, but I think anyway, that's probably an off offline topic. He's a, he's a good guy. Uh, he's been extremely helpful to me and my family over the years, but for this specific issue, it's just yeah. So not- you probably need to go to somebody who has a little more experience in obesity medicine. Like if you go to all the obesity medicine conferences now, they're always talking about like stacking on medications. You should not just put somebody on one, or if you start them on one and they get stuck, then what do you do? You got to put them on something else, or like counsel them like we're doing now. Like start tracking calories. You know, lift a little weights, walk a little. Not because it's actually going to contribute to weight loss, but it'll put you in a better mindset around the whole experience. Like you'll be more like bought in almost to like this new way of like kind of eating and acting and thinking of food and thinking of like how you're going to eat. The mindset of it is huge and they need to be able to like coach you through that. And then even the best obesity medicine doctors don't have the time. Usually you need somebody who's like super dedicated, like maybe even like, it sounds like you have a community, maybe your community uh, can help each other with that. Like that's what we do in my community. We like support each other with this kind of stuff, especially the mental, the headspace stuff more so than even, you know, just counting calories or cutting weight or medication, you know, experiences or what have you. Um, but I, I would recommend that or be like, listen, doc, I talked to somebody and he told me, put me back on this stuff <laughs> or put me on this diethylpropion or whatever. I can yeah. send you the names of it, the exact doses if you want. It's super. Yeah, I, got, I, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to going on metformin again if it was a very slow titration up. Yeah, have them prescribe it as 500 milligrams, two in the morning, two at night, and then just take one every other day for a week, add on another one later, you know, add another one, and just slowly go up till you're... Because the main main overlap with with, uh, GLP-1 is going to be that uh, reduction of liver sugar, right? So Uh, you'll never be hypoglycemic. These these two medications, the GLP-1s and metformin, will never cause low blood sugar reactions. So that's never going to be a problem. Uh, so don't worry about that at all. Okay. They are not like Glimapride or Prandin or Starlix or some of these other medications that would like poof, secrete it or like insulin even, like straight up insulin. They're not right. like that at all. They're not going to cause low sugar uh, issues at all. 
they don't do that. Right. Um, yeah, I might, I might give all, I might take it all under advisement and talk to, uh, talk to my doctor about all those things. So see if we can start stacking. Some yeah. I mean, stuff. have them reach out to me. I love teaching. I mean, if they want me to come down and give them a talk or whatever, I mean, I speak at medical conferences all the time about my most requested talk is weight, weight loss. I mean, yeah, like literally sure. they're like, I have a million talks on cardiac topics. They're like, no, no, no. We want the weight loss one. I'm like, that's like three hours. You got like a three hour time slot. They're like, yeah, we'll make one. I'm like, okay. Fine. Yeah, and that I lecture will, is on YouTube. You can go to YouTube and watch it. It's three hours long. I will make sure that we get in the description of this video a link to all the social media channels that you have and your book that you mentioned. Or you say actual weight loss. Yeah, it's called actual weight loss. Yeah, so we'll. It's we'll, on we'll, Amazon. It's on yeah, everywhere. It's kind awesome. of a cool book. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll link to that there in the corner. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I'll send you links. I mean, I'm not here to like sell books or anything. No, um, but I, definitely. Definitely, I, I enjoy teaching and the more people that learn about this stuff and the more like, you know, like we have an obesity epidemic. It's not rocket science. 70 to 80% of the country is overweight. Over 40% is obese. Now, if we don't get these numbers down, we're going to have serious problems. Luckily, now they have this new like CRISPR technology um, where we've been using it in cardiology. There's this medication called Inclycerin. It's an injection that's like twice a year now that modifies it's an mRNA silencing medication oh. that modifies your genetics kind of temporarily where it crushes your LDL. You drop your LDL cholesterol by about 50 to 60%, 52-ish, 55 What is the name of this medicine? Uh, Inclycerin. Inclycerin. I can send you all that stuff. But yeah. it's a great medication because you get an injection once or twice a year, twice a year now, and it drops your LDL by like 55%. We never had that ability before. It's super easy. They're working on a way of where it's like only once a year, once every 18 months, or even once in a lifetime, eventually. It's called this CRISPR technology. It's super fascinating where they inject you with this little molecule. It goes into your genes, edits out the part that makes cholesterol, and that, or like makes too much cholesterol, let's say, because you do need it. You edit out like that thing or edit out the obesity gene maybe or the diabetes gene or the insulin resistance gene. Like just think of all these things, the dementia genes, the Alzheimer's genes, the heart failure genes. Like it goes in, edits it out those little things and then boom, you have like no chance of ever getting heart failure when you get older or or dementia or Parkinson's or uh, diabetes. Like that stuff is super fascinating. Um, So I love teaching this kind of stuff if we – can hopefully cure the epidemic of obesity and get everybody kind of on track, you know, we'll live a way longer um, and, you know, be more productive for a longer time. Yeah. That's amazing. I've covered uh, a version of that type of medication that they're studying for diabetes where they're going in and it modifies how the beta cells in your pancreas respond to uh, glucose and, it's it's fascinating. So that would we'll be see. sweet. We'll see where all this leads, Doctor Allo. This has been helpful. I would love to do this again sometime and talk about a little bit more about the select trials. Talk about some of the stuff that's come out with trisepatide and and blood pressure and just kind of where you see the future of of treatment for cardio uh, cardiologists car, cardiac issues um, as it relates to you know, this class of medications and, and beyond. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about my own heart health. I think I, having followed your stuff, I'm like, I, I need to be on a statin. Um, this is going to, this is going to make you flip a lid, 
but um, I went back and looked at the last lipid panel that I had and my LDL was almost 200. And I, oh, I had man. shared, I had shared with you that my calcium, my calcium score was nine, 18. Uh, and that was all in the Widowmaker artery. And that was the artery that uh, was 99% clogged when my dad had his fatal heart attack. So, yeah. So that's an, so you have familial hypercholesterolemia. You have a genetic disorder that gives you super high cholesterol. You, you need more than just a statin. Yeah. You need like statin plus Zetia plus Rapatha, which is an injection Rapatha too. is the one that I was looking at today. Uh, that yeah, one you need there. to be on probably all three because that's not going to get better. The problem with calcium here, I'll show you this. Um, calcium happens, where's my finger? Right here. It's late stage. Oh, I got to move it this way. It's late stage atherosclerosis. You'll notice that up until late stage, you could drive your finger through it. But at the end, I'm like doing this kind of backwards. Where am I going? This way. At the end, at the end is when it gets plugged up and it starts encroaching on the lumen. This part here is getting tighter. Whereas yeah. all the rest of them, it mod it remodels in a way to keep it open. Um, you know, the plaque starts building up, you know, down here. Well, going this way. The plaque starts building up down here. The artery like shifts out of the way to keep itself open, but eventually it gets uh it gets too late. This is where we see calcium. Um it's a late stage finding. So but the model the artery has still remodeled to keep itself open. You gotta get that to stop completely and not get worse. You're like a ticking time bomb, and I'm not trying to scare you or anything, but, you know, I, I patients like me to just tell it like it is. But yeah. you need to get that LDL probably down into the 40s for a long time to make that stop and not get worse and even reverse a little. The newer, fresher plaque will reverse a little, and then the, the stuff that's a little older will stabilize. The stuff that's calcified is not going anywhere, but at least we can stop it from getting worse and getting, uh, you know, plugging up your arteries, you know, a bit more. You probably take an aspirin. I would take Crestor 40, Zetia 10, and full dose, you know, Rapath, it only comes in one dose, but it's twice a twice a month injection. You'll get your LDL probably down to like 20, 30 maybe, somewhere in that range. And I would just Where leave it there for the rest of my life. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> minus, 40, <laughs> minus, minus 41. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it needs to be. So, yeah, no, I, I was, uh, I, I had commented on one of your videos on on a twitter today and you had commented back and i guess you made a, a video that responded to a guy who was about my age who had a cac score of one and i was like man mine was 18 and you're like you need to be on a stat and you need to be doing this you need to be doing that so i went back and looked at what my ldl was at the time that they did that and so i was like holy crap i need to be on a statin. but again the keto fixes that right yeah, so of course it does. It actually, in most people, not most, but I'd say like 30 to 40% of people on a keto style diet, obviously depending on what fats they've chosen to eat, they will have a significant increase in uh, uh, their LDL cholesterol. I mean, obviously. Right. So anyway, uh, for another time, but I appreciate your uh, your help tonight and and all the knowledge that you brought to the channel. Uh, we'll have all of the call outs for your social medias in the description of this video. And I really appreciate you giving me some time on uh, a weekend here. So thank you very much, Dr. Allos. Yeah, nice of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We'll do it again. Yep. Take care. Dr. Muhammad Allo, all of his information linked in the description of this video. I hope you enjoyed that. If you did, make sure you go over and give his channel a follow, uh, whether you be on TikTok or YouTube. 
Uh, I believe he's over on Twitter as well. So make sure you give him a follow and uh, give him some love on his channel for coming over here and spending some time with us this evening. Mm-hmm.